this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, the subject called a lifestyle of repentance. A lifestyle of repentance. So the question is this. This month, we've, we've been studying the, the Passover lamb. We've been, been studying, the, we, we've been experiencing the passion, the death, the resurrection of our Lord. We, we started at talking about he's called us to a new way of being human. We, we, we uh, really, I mean, just look through the scriptures and pour through the scriptures and see that he not only died for us, but that he rose for us. And we celebrated that all through the month. So the question is, how do we respond to a risen Lord? How do we respond to the living Lord? And uh, so that's, that's our question before us. I'm going to start off with a quote from uh, a, a, a paper written by Tim Keller. It's called this. It's called, All of Life is Repentance. All of Life is Repentance. And he, and he says this. He's, he's quoting Martin Luther. Martin Luther, during the uh, um, Reformation, nailed the 95 Thesis to the door of Wittenberg Cathedral. And what he was doing was not trying to start something new. He was calling the church to repentance. And this is, this is what it says. The very first thesis was this. Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Now, Tim Keller says, on the surface, this looks a little bleak. Luther seems to be saying Christians will never be making much progress. But of course, that's not the point at all. He was saying that repentance is the way we make progress in the Christian life. Indeed, pervasive, all-of-life repentance is the best sign we're actually growing deeply and rapidly into the character of Jesus. I I love that quote. What is he saying? There's two different kinds of repentance. And the problem is most of us think of religious repentance. And religious repentance is what? It's selfish. It's self-centered. It's bitter. Why? Because most of us, when we think of repentance, it's about what? It's about escaping punishment. I got to repent so I don't get punished. Or it's about getting blessing. I got to repent so God will bless me. In both of those, I'm the center. In the both, it's about what I do, my efforts. And it becomes bitter. Why? Because when I look at, look at uh, life, I look at how horrible I am, how much I've failed, how guilty and how shameful I am, how condemned I am, and then what I got to do to get out of it. So it's bitter. But that's not gospel repentance. Gospel repentance is this. The purpose of repentance is to repeatedly tap into the joy of our union with Christ in order to weaken our need to do anything contrary to the heart of God. That's what repentance is. Repentance is is that constant returning to him so that I can tap into that grace that he's poured out. He, He died on the cross for my sins, but he rose from the dead so that I would escape my sins. It's not about looking at my sin. It's about looking past my sin, through my sin, to his grace. That I, when, I, when I meditate on that grace, when I, I absorb that grace into my life, my sin melts away and washes away. Is there sorrow? We're going to get into all these things. Is there sorrow? Yes, there's sorrow. But there's sorrow not because of what I've done. There's sorrow because of, of how bad I am. There's sorrow because I've offended the goodness of God. When you take something pure and holy and you realize you've done something to 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 uh, uh, offend that, what do you, how should you respond? Lord, how can I be pure so that I don't offend that? And so it's the path to progress. So the response is the path to progress. 
So this morning as we look at repentance, the, our, our perspective is this, is that, that this is the means by which we embrace, that we encounter, and that we appropriate God's grace in our lives so that we can progress in our journey with Christ. That's the attitude I want us to have. I hope that we have as we go through this. So the first thing is this, and this is uh, taking from the uh, quote from Luther. Repentance is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. So let's look at this. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to do a survey through the scripture. I don't know how much we realize repentance is mentioned in the scripture. It's all over the place. And we're just going to cover just a, a it's going to seem like we covered every verse. We're not. But it, it's, we're just going to hit a scant few just to give you an idea of, of how much this theme, because it's a doctrine, it's a theology, but it's more than that. It's a way of life for the believer. So the first is this, repentance is a gift from God. Why? To show us his love, not to condemn us. It's to show us his love, Revelation 3.19. Remember, in this passage, he's talking to the church. And he says this, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. So be zealous to what? Return to him. Constantly do that. It's a continual practice. We never arrive on this side of heaven to perfect repentance. Or uh, to, to not needing it, let's put it that way. The Apostle John puts it this way. He says, everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. That process of purifying ourselves is constantly coming before him. Constantly giving him what is our flesh and taking from him what is purity and what is life. And he says this, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin. And in him, there is no sin. Jump down to verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Do you see what John's saying there? There's only two choices. Children of God, children of the devil. Children of God, children of the devil. And how does he contrast them? Well, he already contrasted children of the devil. Practice sinning. And then he goes on. So who are those who uh, are the children of God? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not lie of his brother. It's a practice. This is why repentance is continual. It, he, you know, if you read John, he doesn't say we're going to walk around. Practicing doesn't mean we're always perfect. Practicing means we keep bringing everything about us to him, and he works something in our lives as we do. We fall down, we get up, and we run to him instead of away from him. That's practicing righteousness. So it's a, it's a lifestyle. Repentance is a lifestyle. So, but so we're going to look at what isn't repentance and what is repentance. So let's look at these two things. First thing about repentance is what? It's not regret and it's not sorrow. Okay? Now, there can be great regret, there can be great sorrow, but sorrow and regret in and of itself is not repentance. Just to say I'm sorry doesn't mean you have repented. The writer of Hebrews, talking about Esau, he says this. This is in chapter 12. See to it that no one fails to obtain God's grace. Did you catch that verse right there? I mean, we could park on that for a minute. Do you know you could fail to obtain the grace of God? Wow. It's quiet this morning. Is it because we're talking about repentance? No, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. What, what the point there is, he sold away what God had given him for the passions of his flesh. 
For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Why? Why? He found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Did he have regret? Did he have sorrow? Absolutely. But it didn't lead him to return to God. It's that heart that says if we sorrow in return to God, that'll work. But if we sorrow because of what we've done, we're afraid of punishment. We want God's blessing. We're going to lose out. Now it's about us and not about him. So how many know that it's actually possible to sin, to be in the middle of sin and be sorry and regretting it? Oh, I'm going to not like this later but I'm going to do it anyway. Is that just me? Thank you, Mike. One honest man. <laughs> or I shouldn't say honest. One, one courageous man. I'll put it that way. <laughs> but that, I mean, here, look, guys, listen. Why are we talking about this? Because this is the reality of every one of our lives. If any one of us in here says, I don't deal with sin, then John says the truth is not in you. Do we want to grow closer to Jesus? I do. But I, I, when I want to grow closer to Jesus, I, I do these things that I don't want to do, and I hate them, and they confront me, and I feel like, am I getting anywhere, God? Is this thing really real in my life? And just the very fact I'm saying that is demonstration the Holy Spirit is working in me. Because the ungenerate man doesn't care. And so this is the means that I progress through that and grow closer to him. I bring all of that to him and I lay it there because it's not about me. It's about him. Everybody get that? Let's keep going. So what is, that's, oh, oh, I want to I add this. It says this, it says, godly, godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Worldly grief produces death. You see, there is a sorrow that leads to death, and there is a sorrow that leads to life. That sorrow that leads to life has no regret. It's not that we, it's not that we didn't regret what we did. It's that we realize that's not salvific. My regret isn't salvific. His grace is. Does that make sense? All right, so what is repentance? So repentance, literally, it means to reverse your decision, okay? So I'm going down the path this way, and I change my mind. I turn around. Now, there, there's, a, there's a Hebrew concept behind that. Shuva, shuv, to shuv, to shuva, to teshuva. What does it mean? It means returning to God, okay? Because just to say to change my mind, change your mind to what, okay? You know, I was going to eat pancakes, now I decided to eat eggs. That's, well, that's a type of repentance, but it's not godly repentance, right? I changed from this to that. When we talk about it, what we're saying is we're returning to God. So when we read repentance, what I want you to read, what I want you to hear is return to God. The cry of God, wisdom, crying out from the street corners, as the Proverbs tells us, is calling us to return. Calling us to return. And that's as much a message to the Christian as it is to the world. All right, let me keep going. So what is it to, to return? What does that mean? I'm putting off what? I'm putting off evil desires. I'm putting on the fruit of the Spirit. I'm putting off the ways of the world. I'm putting on the commands of God. I'm putting off ungodly culture in which we live. I'm putting on the culture of God in his kingdom. What is repentance? It's what God desires for us. Here's how Peter puts it. The Lord is not slow uh, to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach what? Everybody? 
repentance. Notice that God's desire is for us to reach what? Returning to him. Now, what's amazing about that, the heart of God, is how many times we look around and say, God, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why are you so slow? Why haven't you yet fulfilled this? Because he is so patient, there's not one he desires to not return to him. He's waiting. He's longing. What is repentance? It's the message of our Lord, and it's required to enter the kingdom. Jesus said this, from the time he began to preach, from the time Jesus preached, what did he say? Repent. Why? For the kingdom of God is at hand. To return to God because his kingdom is here. It's in Matthew. It's in Mark. It's also to be our message. When the disciples went out in Mark, what did they proclaim? The people should repent. Return to God. Acts 20. Peter defending himself. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable in teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of what? repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice they go together. Faith is demonstrated by what? Our heart to return. Faith means what? I'm trusting in him. If I'm trusting in him, which direction am I going? I'm returning to him. I'm returning to him. I'm not keep changing my mind. I only have so many steps I can walk in one direction, but. I have to say this since I brought that up. The, the camera people, that poor camera people back there trying to follow me. It's, it's crazy. I get the comment, can you stand still? I'm sorry, I'm Sicilian. I had somebody asked me to sit on my hands one time, and I, and I went to open my mouth. I was like, well, okay. They move with my mouth. It's like a string attached to them. I'm sorry. So what is repentance? It brings joy in heaven. Jesus says this in Luke. Just so I tell you, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who returns to God, repents, than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Repentance, guess what? It comes before forgiveness. Before forgiveness. When Jesus came back from the dead, he arose. He's sitting there, and he he opens the scriptures to them. All of a sudden, they can see the scriptures. They can understand. And he's showing them in the scriptures. Hey, look, this is where it says, I'm going to die. This is where it says, I'm going to raise from the dead. And then it says this, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. And that's what we're to witness to. That's what we're to return to God that you may be forgiven. It's necessary to receive the Holy Spirit. Peter, very first message he's preaching after he's received the Holy Spirit, and they're cut to the quick, and they're crying out, what should we do? And he says, repent, return to God, and be baptized, every one of you. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the nation of Israel. These are God's people. It's a church message. It's a church message as well as a message to the nations. And he says, be baptized, every one in you, in the name of the Lord of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of God through, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is literally God's gift. Our ability to return to him is a gift from him. And God exalted him in his right hand as leader and savior to give what? Repentance to Israel. What's he give? Repentance. It's a gift for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance leads to life. 
And when you heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God, what? Granted repentance that leads to life. Um, my wife attended a, a, a woman's conference recently. And one of the things that they were talking about in this conference, it was, it, all the theme was, was have faith. That's it. All the theme was, is have faith in the Lord Jesus. And that brings life. And I said, was, she said, what was amazing is what emerged out of it. We live in a time right now in which people are wrapped up and caught up in fear. Bound up in anxiety. We just come out of a, a, a couple of years. I mean, it's still going on, but it, it's not quite as bad as it was. A couple of years of a pandemic. We didn't know what the, the results were going to be. We've had all kinds of civil unrest. There's a war going on uh, uh, um, in, in Europe right now, in Ukraine. There's just craziness that's going on around the world. Now there's, now there's a lot. I don't know how many are familiar with it. There's a lot of things talking about potential food shortages coming. There's inflation going out the window. It costs more to live um, than it's costed in years. Guys, how do we be Jesus in that? see, repentance leads to life, and life more abundantly. This one, my, again, I was talking to my wife about this. She says, you know, and every time I go to make a decision, I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm waffling. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? And she says, what I've come to is what I need to do is just simply this. I need to inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. See, that's what repentance is. It's returning to him. Lord. There's a pandemic in the world. Return to Jesus. Lord, there's civil unrest. Return to Jesus. If we want to offer life, we have to have life here. If we want to have life here, it's not because I prayed a prayer one time so that I could get to heaven. It's because I have life here. How do I have life here? By continuing to return to him every day. It leads to salvation without regret. It's the foundation of faith and the removal of dead works. It's the fruit of God's kindness. It, 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 it's required to bear fruit. It's the key to blot out our sins. It leads us to good deeds. It leads to knowledge and truth that destroys the power of the devil. And it's the commandment of God. You can ask me later, there's scriptures for all of that. If you want to destroy the works of the devil in your life, return to God. If you want to bear fruit in your life, return to God. So what happens if we don't repent? What's the result of not repenting? Number one, it will lead to the judgment of God. Psalm 7. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword and has bent and readied his bow. Revelation 16, 9. They were scorched by the fierce heat. They cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. 
Guys, I did not want to write this part of the sermon. Why? Because I like the other part where we can have life. I don't like the part where there's death if we don't. You see, it's not a feel-good message. It's not a self-improvement message. Jesus didn't die to self-improve us. Jesus died that we could escape death. Jesus died that we could escape the trap of our sins. This is not to scare us into repentance. It's the reality of the truth of the world that we're living in. The reason why we see so much sin and death in the world is because the world is what? Filled with sin and death. Our path forward in it is returning to him. And by doing that, we lead others in the same thing. What else? It says this. It says, it brings the denouncement by the Lord. This is Jesus speaking here in Matthew. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done. Why? Because they didn't repent. They didn't return to him. Jesus literally stood right before them doing works, healing people, raising the dead, doing good things. And people were like, ah. Well, we would go, well, if, you know, if I was there, I would have believed. Really? Do you know how many literally thousands and thousands of miracles are happening in the world today? That's one of the things we're talking about on Wednesday night. It will lead to perishing. Jesus told this in Luke. No one, I tell you. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. It will bring the sword of God. This is speaking to the church here. This is, Jesus says this to the church. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He's talking to the church in that scene. It will lead to ruin. This is in Ezekiel. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest your iniquity be your ruin. It will infect your whole life. Here's Paul in Corinthians. Your boasting isn't good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. This is perfect for what we're, this season we're in right now. He said, look, you're a new lump. If there's old leaven in you, get it out. How do we do that? By returning to him. Not in fear, not in guilt, not in shame, not in combination. In joy as a means to progress, as a path forward, as a means of life, as a means of bearing fruit, as a means of receiving the Holy Spirit. It leads to sickness and tribulation. Again, this is the church he's speaking to. This is Revelation chapter 2. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. Now, he's he's talking about uh, um, a false prophetess there, that committing adultery is following after evil ways. Now, it's really important to understand. That doesn't mean all sickness is a result of sin. That's not what it's saying. It is saying that sometimes it is. It doesn't mean every time we're sick, we got to go, oh, God, what, you know, it's not a bad thing to, to, to look in that way. But it, um, this is why James says, if anyone is sick, let him confess his sins. There's a potential, but it, we shouldn't walk around all the time, wow, that person's sick. What's wrong in their life? What's wrong in that life? We should have compassion. We should have love. We should want to reach out to that person and help. God will come suddenly, again, talking to the church. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up 
I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. He's talking to the church here. Guys, Jesus cares that we live according to his name. That's, you know, how many are familiar with the Ten Commandments? Anybody ever heard of something called the Ten Commandments before? Anybody heard that before? One or two of us? It's a great movie, and it's, it stars um, Charlton Heston. You can all, you know, go see it, you know. Let my people go, you know, it's, it's a fantastic movie. I watched it every year, this time of year when I was a kid. All right, and one of those Ten Commandments is this. That I shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Can I tell you what that doesn't mean? That doesn't mean don't use the name of the Lord as a cuss word. It includes that for sure. Don't use the name. It's not a freedom to use the name. I'll tell you what it means. It's very simple. This was a covenant relationship Israel was entering into. Right before this, he says, you shall be my people. I shall be your God. That's language of marriage. It's a marriage covenant they're entering into. And he says, when you enter into this, you are taking my name. Don't do that in vain. Don't bear my name falsely. I told, we told our kids when they walked out the door from the, from the youngest age, when you walk out that door, number one, you bear your own name and you have a reputation and how you live is going to affect that. Number two, you bear the name Bricada and what you do is going to affect the family Bricada. And number three, you bear the name of Christ and what you do is going to reflect the name of Christ. That's what Jesus is saying here as he's talking to the church. Remember what you received. Don't make it about a prayer. I prayed one time in a service where I felt something and I, and I st- went forward because it felt really good. So now I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to live like hell now. I'm going to experience my hell now because then I get heaven. Look, this isn't about being perfect. It's about loving Jesus. You see, the reason why I say it's not about, some people say, what do you mean? You're, you're not about being perfect. What I'm saying is that it's, that's the wrong question. It's the wrong category. It's the wrong way to think. Throw that way of thinking out and put it this way. It's about loving Jesus. You see, when I love Jesus, when I return to Jesus, when I lay my life before Jesus, he washes me, he cleanses me. When I fall, I run to Jesus. When, when my children were little and they fell, even if it was their fault and they were out riding their bicycle somewhere they weren't supposed to be riding, breaking the law of the family, and they got hurt, they didn't go running away from me. They came running to us. And what did we do? We didn't beat their behinds because they were out somewhere they weren't. We may have had a conversation later. But we didn't beat their behinds. We loved them. We said, let me heal that. Let me help you. That's what repentance is. It's allowing the light of truth to shine in us, to wash us, to cleanse us every day as a, as a, as a lifestyle. It'll give the devil power over you. Genesis 4, 7. If you do well, won't you be accepted? This is, this is God talking to Cain. And if you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. It's like the, there, when, when you give in to that, it literally, you think you're controlling that. It's controlling you. Now, unless you think that's, well, that's Old Testament, that doesn't count, right? We'll turn to the Apostle John in chapter 3. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is what? Of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
Do you follow that? You see, Jesus destroyed the devil on the cross. That's what it says. He took the power away from them. So when we participate in sin, we're literally giving the power back to him. Here you go. Have it back. But what repentance does is it returns us to the cross. Why? Because it wasn't me who got rid of the power to begin with. It was Jesus. So I come over to Jesus, and that washes me. That cleanses me. That's good stuff. All right, so how do we do it? How do we do it? Number one, we embrace the grace of God. Number one, we embrace the grace of God. Second Peter tells us this. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I love that. I love it. Because he doesn't say, be perfect in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, grow in it. How much do you grow? Well, where are you today? 25%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Okay, tomorrow, be 51. We can do that. And then B-52. Not a B-52, but, you know, that's Memorial Day that's coming up. Number two, be a lover of truth. Be a lover of truth. Now, I'm going to hit this how to repent. I'm just going to hit these briefly right now. In Connect Group, which is coming up right after service, I'm inviting you. Come join us for Connect Group. We're going to be able to go into these things in more depth there. So if you've never been to Connect Group, be a perfect morning to come join us. We're going to meet right over here. We get a chance to meet each other. There's a little snack over there, everything. Number two, be a lover of truth. Uh, I'm going to jump down to 1 Peter. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Having purified your souls, how? Obedience to the truth. Let me, let's put it this way. Here's, here's what's going on. Truth and salvation are hand in hand. Jesus said, I am the truth. The way we repent is we become in love with truth. To become in love with truth means we're willing to look at the hard stuff in our own life. We're willing to say, all right, Lord, shine the light. Why? Because love rejoices in truth, Paul tells us in Corinthians. Number three, be a doer of the word. And James says this. James says this. There's two, there's two kinds of us sitting here. There's some of us who are hearers of the word and some of us are doers. Okay, now the word's a mirror. It's a mirror. And so we, we, we look at ourselves compared to the, to the word. We look at ourselves. And it says, now here's the difference. A hearer of the word right now is sitting here trying to judge everything I'm saying doctrinally. Well, I agree with that. Well, I'm not sure about that one. Oh, that's a good one. Ah, that's a great point. Well, I got a question. I got to look that one up. I haven't heard that one before. That's a hearer of the word. That's not a bad thing. We should do that. But what we should really be doing is going, Lord, if this is your word, how does that shine in my heart? What is it you're calling me to change? Do you see the difference? Because he's speaking to believers as he's saying this. It's easy to be a hearer. Number three. That was number three. Number four, confess your sins to God and to one another. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. James, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. For sure, we need to take it all. We need to, to, to have those private, quiet moments between you and the Lord. But let me ask you this. Do you have that person in your life who you can tell all your deep, dark sins to? Because now we're getting to the place of accountability. Now we're getting to the place of loving truth. Now we're getting to the place of saying, show it to me, Lord. 
That person who's not going to condemn you, who's not going to tell you your guilt, that person who's going to wrap their arms around you and say, yeah, me too. It is with much tribulation we enter the kingdom of God. Let's pray for one another. Let's confess this stuff and get it out of here because that's how you take the power away from the devil in your life. As long as it stays in there and you don't have that person, you're running around with all these secrets and it is bigger than you. But when you have that ability to confess it to God and you've got that believer in your life who can help you, you get healed and you destroy the works of the devil because that was number, number five, helping one another. All right. What is it exactly we're repenting from? What exactly is it that we want to get out of our lives? Number one, the works of the flesh. Okay? There's, there's tons of scriptures. Here's one in Galatians. The works of the flesh are evident. What are they? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And if that's not good enough, he says, and anything like this. <laughs> I was like, that, you had to put the catch-all in there, Paul. <laughs> yeah, and anything like this. And, and, and he goes on and, and he says, and he says those um, who belong to Jesus crucify these things, what? With their passions and their desires. So number, that's number one. So uh, number one is works of the flesh. Number two is the evil within. Um, evil within, there's, this, there's a scene in the Gospels, and, and, and the Pharisees are seriously concerned about ritual purity on the outside. You know, it wasn't wrong for them to be concerned about that. The Bible has a lot to say about that. But, but they were more concerned about that than the heart. And Jesus said this, don't be so concerned about what's outward. Be really concerned about what's in your heart. Evil desires in there. Because why? Because it's from there come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness. That's what defiles us. And number, th- number three, acts of unrighteousness. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and I, I love the Corinthian church. I love the Corinthian church. It gives me hope. Anybody who knows anything about the Corinthians? It gives me up. Why? Because they were real people living in a real world that was a cesspool world that they were living in, and they were struggling with Jesus. And Paul gives them amazing uh, um, uh, scriptural way to struggle with Jesus and prosper. He says this, what are acts of righteousness? Sexual immorality, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers. I'm going to give one more list, and we'll we'll, uh, finish up with this list here. Now, what I did here is I took the Sermon on the Mount, and I took all of the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7, and I condensed it down. I condensed it down to use as a flashlight. Right now, I want you to let the Holy Spirit be a doer of the word, not a hearer, right now. So we're closing this out. I want you to let the Holy Spirit shine. I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Is any of this... Something the Lord wants to call you to so that you can have the joy of your salvation. Let this be a moment of prayer for you as you hear this list. So as I go through these things, I want you all just to close your eyes and just make this moment between you and the Lord. Do you repay evil for evil? Do you let your light shine or do you hide it? Do you hold anger? Do you look with lust or hold lust? Do you break your word? Do you demand repayment, an eye for an eye? Do you love your enemies? 
Do you bless them and pray for them? Are you stingy with your things? Do you do good in public just so others can see you doing it? Do you carry any unforgiveness? Are you a slave to money or earthly possessions? Are you full of worry and anxiety? Are you judgmental towards others? Do you give up and grow weary in doing what's good? Do you treat others differently than you want to be treated? Do you hear the word of God and not act on it? Thank you.